0: Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton,
1: California. We started a series, and we're on a series, about the fruit of the Spirit. And we know that fruit is the outward expression of the inward nature. Let me explain that to you again. It is the outward expression... Of our inward nature. So when you see a plum hanging off of a tree, you can say what? It's a plum tree, right? Hopefully. Hopefully that's a plum tree, right? When you see these nine virtues that we're going through for several weeks, and we've already been several weeks in it, but when you see these nine virtues displayed, in a life of a Christian, you can say there's a Spirit-filled Christian. There is one fruit of the Spirit, but there are nine flavors, if you'd like to go that route. We find the list in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and we've read this verse Uh, 27,000 times already in the last three weeks, so I'm sure we're very familiar. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. And uh, perfect timing, perfect timing, see? They know it's coming. But a few weeks back... We talked about love. We talked about love, and I asked you to display the face of someone in your mind that you've had a hard time loving. And then let Jesus love that person through you. And one of my friends said, it wasn't just one person for me. I had to use a split screen. Understandably. Uh, another friend was listening and said, well, that's nothing. Mine looked like the TV display at Best Buy. And it had about a hundred screens. Whether it's one difficult person or a hundred, Jesus can love those unlovely people through you. Do you believe that this morning? that Jesus can love on someone that you may not be in accord with if we allow him to work through us. And today we're going to talk about joy. We're going to talk about joy. And I've always loved the word joy and the name joy. But you see, joy is more than a name. It's a powerful positive reaction that we display when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have something so rich and valuable that everyone in the world is looking for it. It's joy. Years ago, some archaeologists were excavating around the ruins of the Mamertine prison in Rome, and thousands of Christians were imprisoned there uh, before they were sent to the Colosseum to, be, to fight the animals and be martyred, okay? And the archaeologists found a fragment of a letter among the ruins, and it was written during the 3rd century, during the most intense time of persecution against Christians, we don't know who wrote it, but the message of the letter was very, very powerful. It said it's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than the pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians, and I am one of them. It is a bad world, an incredibly bad world, But God offers to fill you with his joy. All these gifts of the Spirit should be called grace gifts. Grace gifts. And these gifts, we should call them grace fruit, if you will. But all of the nine virtues, joy is the closest to grace. Grace and joy are twins, but... Not identical, but they are born from the same root word. The Greek word for grace is charis, and the word for joy is kara. You might say that joy is grace enjoyed. But in this message this morning, I want to talk to you about what joy really is, and then where you can find joy, and then how we are to express that joy. So first off this morning, we know that joy is a cheerful attitude in every circumstance of life. Some confused souls believe it is the role of our federal government to make you happy and keep us happy. Our Declaration of Independence does mention three inalienable rights uh, given to us. But these are given by our Creator. These weren't given by man. These were given by our Creator. And contrary to what some people assume, these three rights aren't life, liberty, and happiness. They are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And pursue it, we do, don't we? Americans devote much of their time and energy trying to find happiness. Many surveys have asked Americans, what is it that you most want in life? And the overwhelming majority of Americans answer, I want to be happy. Then the survey often follows up with this question. What would it take to make you happy? What would it take to make you happy? And the number one answer to that second question is, (laughs) I don't know. That's the answer. I don't know. Joy is an important word in the Bible. Joy appears 158 times and rejoice appears another 198 times. In the Old Testament, there are 27 different colorful words that describe joy. And I won't go through those this morning. But some of the basic meanings are to run around with delight. How many here are ready to run around this morning with delight? There's, there's a couple. It might seem odd though, right? If you all send someone to get up and just start running around with joy. Be like, well, what'd they eat for breakfast, right? (laughs) But joy is an important word. Um, Like I said, to run around with delight, to shine like the brightness of the sun, S-O-N, sun. When missionaries went to visit the Eskimos in northern Alaska, and they were trying to translate the Bible into their language, they discovered that there was no Eskimo word for joy. True story. There was no uh, word for joy. They did not have a word for that. So the missionaries looked to see um, what the most delightful experience that they had in that Eskimo life and in that village. And that was, they discovered they were the happiest and they had the most joyful moments in the evenings when they fed their sled dogs. And the dogs would leap and wag their tails and yelp for joy. And this made the Eskimos smile as well. And so they used that experience to translate the word joy. So when you translate the passage from Luke, where it says, After the resurrection, the disciples saw Jesus were full of joy. For the Eskimos, it would read, When the disciples saw Jesus, they wagged their tails with delight. True story. We know a little bit about what joy is. But what, what joy, what is it? What is it not? What is it not? Joy is not happiness. Understand that for a second. Joy is not happiness. It is so much more than that. Let me give you a couple quotes from some spiritual giants in my life. Bill Bright, the founder of the Campus Crusade, wrote, Joy is like the sun, always shining even when night falls or clouds cover it. Happiness is like the moon, waxing and waning. Happiness is born in the mind. Joy in the heart. And happiness comes from humans. Joy comes only from God. Dr. Adrian Rogers wrote, Happiness is like cosmetics. Joy is like character. Happiness comes from outside circumstances. Joy comes from... From within. Happiness meets surface needs. Joy meets your deepest needs. In times of suffering, happiness usually evaporates and it disappears. But joy often intensifies in times of suffering. So, in fact, the best time to check your joy level isn't when things are going great in your life. It's when things are lousy. It's when things do not measure up to your standard. Because it's easy to have joy when you feel good. And when everyone loves you and all your bills are being paid, it's easy to experience joy. But you can still rejoice when your world crumbles in you agree with that? Yes. We can rejoice when our world crumbles in. James wrote in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. In other words, joy becomes more valuable when you find it in the darkest, most depressing times of your life. This past week, I asked on Facebook friends to give me their definition of joy. And I've got some pretty good ones. I'm going to read a couple for you. It says, Joy is the feeling deep down in your soul when you know God has you in the palm of his hand. And no matter your circumstance, no matter the trial or hardships you face... It's him and nothing else. I thought that was a pretty great explanation. It reminds me of the story in Acts chapter 16 when uh, Paul and Silas had been arrested. They were beaten and thrown in prison and they were fastened into the, uh, the stocks. And the only stocks and bonds they knew weren't from Wall Street, obviously. They were actually wooden stocks around their necks and iron bonds on their hands and feet. So picture Paul and Silas with bleeding backs, kneeling side by side with their heads in these wooden stocks, suffering. Did they complain? Did they call out for justice? No. They decided to display their joy. They decided to display their joy. The Bible says at midnight, they started praying and singing songs to God. They didn't allow their circumstance to control them. They chose to control their circumstance. And they started rejoicing in God. I don't know what they sang, but early Christians mostly sang the Old Testament. So they might have been singing The words from Nehemiah 8, verse 10. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And maybe when they were singing this, maybe God started tapping his toe, right? Along with the music. And when God taps his toe, things happen. There was an earthquake that shook that prison, Nobody was killed, but the stocks came open and the chains fell away. You see, joy had won the day. Joy had won the day, and the jailer who was responsible for the prisoners prepared to fall on his sword and kill himself for losing prisoners. But Paul said, we're all here. The jailer said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And he did. And that night, the same man who had bloodied their backs, washed their wounds and found the joy of the Lord for himself. So in addition to that, we also know that joy is a choice. Understand, we're talking about choices. Joy is a choice. To allow Jesus to control your personality. Last week I talked about the personality that I have when I walk into a Trader Joe's. It's not pretty. But I have that choice. I can choose to be grumpy. I can choose to react a certain way to the circumstances around me. So it's not the actual exterior experience that's causing me to feel that way. It's my own inner desires that are coming out saying, you know what? I don't like you. I don't want to be near you. I don't want to be here. But when I allow God to rule my thoughts and to rule what I do and how I'm going to react, I can find joy in that. You can find joy in that. Because we know it is a choice that we allow Christ to dictate our personality. Because we know joy isn't a feeling. It is that choice. Our joy comes from Jesus. So the extent to which you surrender your personality to his, the more you will experience his joy. It's not my joy that is valuable. It is the joy of Jesus. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. John chapter 15. It seems strange to find joy in trusting in someone else. But I know we've seen over and over in our own lives that our deepest joy comes When we learn to just be still We learn to be still And before God and trust That he is figuring everything out For our own good One thing I've learned about joy in the Bible Is that God doesn't promise that joy Must make logical sense to us You follow me? That joy does not need to make logical sense for that circumstance even. He just promises that he will provide it when we trust him. He will provide it when we trust him. And a Bible verse about joy that beautifully illustrates this is Psalm 30 verse 11. You can make note of that. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. And then there's a scripture on joy that always tugs at my heart even and gives me great hope. Those who plant in tears will harvest shouts of joy. Psalm 126, five. Friends, we don't have to fully understand joy to be able to embrace it during life's toughest seasons. We can experience even in the good times and the bad. That is one biblical truth about joy that I regularly cling to. To have that hope in knowing that joy does not come from anything that I'm able to accomplish, but the things that are able to be accomplished through me in Christ. And that's the same way you can know that your life is full of Jesus because his joy will be overflowing to others. If you're looking for joy, don't focus on joy. Understand that. Don't focus on joy. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. He is the source of our joy. C.S. Lewis says it this way. It says, it is not so much the joy of the Lord we are seeking as the Lord of joy himself. One of the meanings of the word joy is shining and brightness. When Moses spent time with God on Mount Sinai, he came back to the Hebrew people and they noticed there was a supernatural glow about him and about his face. He couldn't hide the fact That he had been with God. And the best way to express the joy of Jesus is just like what Moses did. He spent time with him. And we need to do the same. We need to spend time with Jesus. When you're full of joy of the Lord, it's hard to keep it a secret. It is hard to keep it a secret. People can just see it in your face. There's a story from the days of the California gold rush and about three prospectors who found a rich gold vein on the property in which they were mining. And they were thrilled, but they were also afraid that when the word got out, other miners would crowd them out before they could file a claim. So they all three took a vow of silence to keep it a secret and they traveled into the nearby town to file the claim and to buy more equipment and true to their vow they didn't say one word about the gold and after they filed the claim and loaded up the equipment they started back to the mine and when they did a crowd of people followed them They stopped and asked why the people were following them. And they said, you didn't say anything about gold, but we could see it on your face that you had found something very valuable. And their faces were aglow in anticipation of the wealth that they would achieve. And their expressions had given them away. But that is a great testimony of us as Christians. How many people look upon her face and see joy? To see the joy of Jesus in our lives. And our very faces should be aglow with the overflow of the joy of the Lord. When I was in seminary, I worked at the school as a recruiter. And I would attend the preview days and help prospective students get familiar with the campus and show them the ins and outs of life on campus which was odd because I wasn't on campus all that often but I'd been there enough to know again the ins and outs so they gave me the opportunity and I took it because uh well money for one and two I just enjoyed seeing new people coming in and getting to experience what I was experiencing and so I did that, and there was many nervous students, as they normally are, and they weren't very sure about what to expect, but I always had a smile on my face. That was one of the prerequisites. We had to have a smile on our face as to give good publicity to the school. Uh, if I showed my true face what I was feeling at the time, I don't think they would have joined or been recruited, but I was in the midst of uh, my master's, and then I did it later when I was in the midst of my doctorate, and... Uh, A smile wasn't exactly the first priority uh, in my life at that time, but uh, something that helped me was remembering I, too, was in their place and was nervous and needed a friendly face to uh, help me through that situation. So, like I said, I had a smile on my face, and I would joke with them a bit because that's who I am. I joke. You know this. Um... But it was sort of to just ease their mind about the uncomfortableness that was surrounding them. And one student asked me, I just got to know, what's different about you? You seem to be happy all the time. What is it? I said, it's this tour, and I'm forced to do it. No, I didn't say that to him. But that's what I was thinking. He says, you look happy. But what he called happiness, I call the joy of the Lord. So as we were traversing the campus, I was able to tell him the difference Jesus and this school has made in my life. Is the joy of Jesus overflowing in your life so people can see a difference? That's what we need to ask ourselves. If the joy of Jesus overflowing in our lives enough of a difference that people see that and want to know about it and want to be a part of that. Because that's what joy really is. And that's where you'll find it. So finally, we know what joy is. We know what to do with it. How do we express our joy? Joy is expressed by giving. And no, I don't mean money. Joy is expressed by giving. In other words, putting yourself last. Letting others experience things that maybe you have in the past, but you're wanting them to enjoy it. So you're giving of yourself, giving of your time, giving of your patience, maybe, to allow them to experience that joy that was in your life. You see, the best expression of joy isn't a shining face or dancing around with delight, even though that would be kind of fun. The best expression is seen when you have an unselfish attitude of giving. The Bible says, remember the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed, that's the word makarian, which means a joyful life, to give than to receive. And here are four ways this morning, and I have them listed there in your bulletin, four ways that we can express the joys of Jesus. First of all, we give thanks in every situation. We give thanks in every situation. Joyful people develop an attitude of gratitude. They develop an attitude of gratitude. Sour people are grumbly hateful. And that's in one of the verses in one of the kids' plays. I know some of you are like, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Okay, they are grumbly hateful, but joyous people are humbly grateful. The Bible says, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Secondly, give away your material possessions. You believe that? Say what? Yeah. Give away your material possessions. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. And the word cheerful comes from the word hilaron. And it's a word that actually means hilarious. So while we laugh about it, there is some truth to that. Give away my possessions? Are you crazy? What am I supposed to do then? That's hilarious, God. I know you have a sense of humor now. But that's what he's saying give of ourselves and do it cheerfully. God loves hilarious givers, he does. In his parable about the sower, Jesus spoke about some people who have the seed of God's word planted in their hearts. But the worries of the world and possessions choke out that good seed. The biggest sin among Christians today is the sin of hoarding and materialism. We accumulate more and more stuff and then we worry that someone may take that stuff. Or that someone might have better stuff. Materialism and greed destroy joy. It destroys joy. But generosity feeds your joy. J.L. Kraft, who founded the Craft Food Company, was a committed Christian. He came to the point where he was consistently giving away 25% of his wealth. And he said, the only investment I ever made which has paid consistently and increasing dividends is the money that I have given to the Lord. He gave to the Lord. Thirdly, we must give ourselves in serving others. Give ourselves in serving others. Many of our Facebook friends here said that the letters J-O-Y... Stand for Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. And I think that's a pretty good formula for joy. Our model and source of joy is Jesus. The Bible says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, did you catch that phrase? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross? You see, he didn't see joy in the cross. Know that. He didn't see joy in the cross. He saw the joy past the cross in the resurrection and ascension. Joy gives us the ability to look through the tough times of life to the reward God offers to us. And then finally, we give hope to those who need it. We give hope to those who need it. Joy is sharing Jesus. Joy is sharing Jesus. The most joyous people I know are those who share their faith on a regular basis. In fact, whenever a Christian comes to me and asks and to talk to me about how they've lost the joy of their salvation, my first question to them is this. When was the last time you shared your faith with someone? When was the last time you shared your faith with someone? When you don't share the good news with people that Jesus loves them and can save them then you become spiritually introverted. You become spiritually introverted. But you can become stale and sour. Even, I don't like the phrase so much, but even the greatest of Christians can become stale and sour. But do you know what causes great joy in heaven? Anybody know what causes great joy in heaven? It's not... When thousands sing praises to God, it's not when we give a million dollars to feed the hungry. The one thing that creates joy in heaven is when one person turns from their sin and puts their faith in Jesus. Puts their faith in Jesus. Jesus said, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The power of one. So in closing this morning, know this. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice, and it is not an emotion. It is not an emotion. But you can use it for your joy to faith, not fake, okay? Your way into the emotion of cheerfulness. You can choose to exchange your spirit of sadness for a garment your spirit of or, or your garment for praise. Because according to Isaiah 61 verse 3, God makes this promise to people who mourn. He says he will give them beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So when you wake up every morning, you have a choice. You can wallow in the ashes of the world, or you can choose the beauty that God offers. You can, you can give in to the morning, or you can have the oil of joy covering you. So then it becomes down to this question. Are we burdened down with a spirit of heaviness? Are we burdened with the spirit of heaviness? Because we can choose to put on that garment of praise. Because again, joy is a choice. Years ago, I learned a little chorus based on Isaiah 61.3. And it says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your voice to God. Praise with the spirit and with understanding. Oh, magnify the Lord. To be joyful isn't just a good choice. It's a command from God. In First Thessalonians five sixteen it says, be joyful always. Always. And in Philippians 4 4, Paul wrote, Rejoice in the Lord. Always. 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 When Paul was imprisoned, he rejoiced in the Lord. And when he wrote that, he didn't say, rejoice in your prison. He said, rejoice in the Lord. The Bible never says, rejoice in your bank account or rejoice in your house. Because if those things are the source of your joy, when they're taken away, your joy goes away with them. Prime example, what's happening in Hawaii. Hawaii. Everything's being taken away from a lot of people, even their lives. But if their joy is in those things, then they've lost more than they can even fathom. They need to focus on what brings them joy, and that's Jesus Christ. You can lose your health. You could lose your mental acuity in a moment. In a moment. Then where will your joy be? Where would your joy be? But you'll never find a word in the Bible that says rejoice in your big screen TV. Or rejoice in your iPad. Or rejoice in your car. All of those things are temporary and will someday be gone. But if you're rejoicing in the Lord, your source of joy will exist long past the world as we know it. Adrian Rogers, he was the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis before he graduated to heaven. And he once told a story about how a member of his church came to understand the meaning and power of real joy. And this lady wrote him a letter recounting her experience. She wrote that early one morning as she was preparing to go to work. She was listening to a recording of Adrian's message about joy he had shared a few weeks before. She had written down a quote from his message and said that the Holy Spirit used it to really convict her. He had said, what is the source of your joy? If a tragic or traumatic thing happens, a child dies, your car is stolen, your home is burglarized, valuable possessions lost and you lose your joy, then you might well consider where your joy comes from. If your joy is in things or even a person and you lose that, you can lose your joy. But if your joy comes from the Lord and he is enthroned in your heart, that joy cannot be taken away. And so she was still meditating on that message when she got into her car to drive to work, and she turned on the Christian radio station she listened to, and uh, there was a gentleman who was singing a song entitled "That's Where the Joy Comes From." She was amazed how the words of that song supported what she just heard Pastor Roger say. And some of those words in the song say, "Thieves may try to rob my treasure." But they don't hold the key that leads into the sanctuary where God's Spirit lives in me. The chorus says, this joy that I have that I'm singing of is from the Lord. And from the Lord, that's where the joy comes from. That's where the joy comes from. But picking up the rest of the story from the letter that she wrote to Pastor Rogers... She says, soon after I arrived at work, one of my sons called to tell me that when he drove to our house about 10 a.m., he found all of the doors open and the house terribly ransacked and quite a lot of their belongings were stolen. Right then, she realized that the Lord had been preparing her for the very morning of what Pastor Rogers just spoke about. And she says, when what you had said in your message that came so clearly to my mind If I ever wondered what it's like when God speaks to a person, I now know. When I got home, I saw the awful sight. I never even felt like shedding a tear. It took us all afternoon to straighten up the mess the burglars left, and yet this feeling of joy kept popping out. I want you to know that that day is a day that I will never forget. Not because of the burglary, But because of the way that God spoke to me and prepared me through your message. And the fact that I really saw today that Jesus alone is the source of my joy. And now I know firsthand that thieves may rob my treasures, but they don't hold the key that leads into the sanctuary where God's Spirit lives in me. How's your joy today? How is your joy today? If Jesus is the source of your joy, your joy will be the same yesterday, today, and forevermore because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Amen? Amen. Dave, come.
0: Let's stand together. As we go into the week... Let's keep this our focus as we sing. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the same. Secret. Ready?
1: Heavenly Father, thank you again for our time together. As we go through these doors and out into the world, which we know is not a wonderful place, but praise be to you that you give us joy and that joy comes in our relationship to you. Lord, let it be ever present in our face in the things that we do and the things that we project, Lord, so that people will know that you are alive. And you're alive and well. And that you're there to receive them into your kingdom. Lord, help us to be that person, the the vessel to which we can reach them. Lord, we look forward to those opportunities. And Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for the opportunity to be here, to love on one another, and to give you the praise you so deserve. Thank you again, Lord, for our time and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Have a great week this week.
0: The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him.